Hello my fellow entrepreneurs and financial freedom fighters. You are listening to the Empower Your Mind for Success podcast. My name is Anish Verma and I'm your podcast host and a certified John Maxwell mentor, trainer and speaker. I welcome you to join me on a journey to discover the science of inspiration, the science of how to empower your mind. Why are some entrepreneurs more successful than the others? This podcast will help you find the answers and understand the laws and principles of predictable success. It will help you build an entrepreneurial mindset and unlock your unlimited potential. So join me on this inspirational journey. So welcome to this episode of uh, the podcast and we have a special guest today Annette Pearson uh, she has always been wanting to write a book for a long time uh, has been journaling for a long time and has finally written a first book uh, called as Finding Strength in the Dark a story of hope love faith and hot pink mary janes So Annette uh, we all look forward to hearing about the book and what's the story behind it but welcome to this podcast Well thank you for having me here I'm so glad to be here and share about my book and my my journey um to finding strength in the dark That and is that's really what this book is. It's my journey. Fantastic, fantastic. And you know, before we get into the book, um, you know, I did speak with you earlier last week, um, a little bit, you know, to get to know you. Uh, but why don't you introduce yourself in terms of what do you do? Uh, are you a full time author? Do you have a job? Do you do this together with something? Your family? Just give us a brief introduction so our audience understands where you're coming from. Yes, absolutely. So. Um, I am actually I have a full-time job. I'm a female executive in a large insurance company which is also brings its own sets of challenges um and opportunities for me to continue to grow my strength and um just share my strength with other female executives that are also challenged working in a in a big corporate environment. I think that brings a lot of opportunity just and it's really exciting to see how women are just growing more into that executive world. Um so my my full-time job is that uh, I started writing my book um in July. So I started writing my book on July 21st um and I finished it in 4 months which is exciting and took a lot of strength. But I wrote it because um I had uh my daughter did not su- survive childbirth in January. Um and all the strength that i felt i had gained up to that point just i felt like went away like i was completely in the dark um and didn't realize that the strength that it was taking to get out of bed each day and to take care of my daughter faith um my husband tom to work all of that i felt like i was just moving along in a dark cloud but really it took strength and i never acknowledged that once i did it was a powerful message to myself and a message i felt needed to be shared because i know that i am not the only one to have experienced those feelings of loneliness and shame and just intense sad sadness and being in the dark we have so much strength and we just need to 
give ourselves the courage to admit to that strength. And so when I started writing this book, that's what it was a message about. It was a message of we've all got the strength inside of us. Um, and so it really came to me that, you know, maybe the, the purpose of my son and daughter's life, who I lost a year and five days apart, was to give my life new purpose. And that was to share my strength. Uh, and so that's what this, that's how this book came to life, was to honor that purpose. Yeah, it's um, so sorry to hear about, um, about your, your two children there, but uh, definitely takes a lot of courage and strength and writing the book in four months is, uh, is no uh, small feat. I mean, people think about writing books and can't uh, get out of the writer's block, but you got it done in four months, which is amazing. Congratulations on that. Um, before we get into the, the, the storyline of the book, um, Annette, walk us through a little bit with your personal struggle here. I think, I, I think with your children and, and you are, you are a mom, so you have kids, uh, but you, you also had some struggles with, uh, with your, um, uh, with maybe the pregnancies and, and, and the other things. And, and I, I want to talk a little bit about that because I have friends who have gone through, um, you know, struggles like that. And, and I think our audience would love to hear that, that, that vulnerable side of your story a little bit before we find out how you got strength to move on day by day. Yeah, and, um, and thank you. I would like to talk about my journey with fertility. I think it's important to understand my journey leading up to that fertility. Um, when I was a child, I dreamt of having Barbie's life, you know, Barbie the plastic doll. And if you think about it in the store, how many times you could just buy Barbie's baby. And that was me. I was going to be Barbie. I was going to live in a mansion in Beverly Hills. I was going to have, you know, a hundred different Kens as my husbands and boyfriends and nobody would know about each other. And I was going to have, you know, thousands of babies. And so that was kind of my, I just felt like at that point, since I was a young child, um, you know, and there's a picture in my book of me mothering a baby doll because I felt like my whole mission, my purpose in this world was to be a mother. Um, and so that's kind of the journey I set on. Um, I started out though, kind of heading in, a, in the wrong direction in that I, I got engaged very young um, and the relationship ended, um, ended up being very abusive, physically, emotionally, and sexually. I did get pregnant in that relationship and I lost the baby when um, the fiance at the time um, hit me and um, I lost the baby when I fell into the wall. That was devastating in so many ways. And I knew I had to get out of that relationship and that that was not going to be the healthy future for me, the future that I envisioned, the future that nobody deserves that future. And so I ended up moving out, having no place to go and lived in my car for a couple of weeks um, until I got the courage to say, mom, I, I need you to help me and take me in. And so as a, a young adult, that was, you know, very hard to come back to mom and say, you know, I need to start over, but I did it. Um, and yes, it took a tremendous amount of strength to remove myself from that physically abusive situation to being okay with living in my car 
and then starting over because I truly needed to start over from scratch. When I did though, I still kind of felt that low self-esteem that comes after being in an abusive relationship. And I made a series of bad choices. And one night I had a dream of my best friend from high school. Um, he always thought that he was Superman. And he came to me in my dream and he said, no bums, you can do better than this. You are going to do better than this. And by the way, your house is a mess, clean it up. And, and so it was very powerful. And it was one of those dreams that I woke up just kind of like out of breath, sweating. It was just too real. And then the next morning while I was getting ready for work, um, it came over the newscast that he had died in the line of duty in Iraq. Oh my goodness. But I then made it my mission to do better, right? That was my wake up call. Um, losing my best friend like that as well, getting that kind of powerful message the night before it happened. And I, I completely said from here on out, I'm changing my life. And I picked up and I moved to North Carolina um, and for a better job. And I rented an apartment, sight unseen. I sold all of my belongings in Chicago and I called a furniture store in Raleigh, North Carolina and said, this is kind of what I'm looking for. Here's my credit card. Can you just have it delivered to the apartment that I've never seen before when I get there? And I drove through the night to Raleigh and I continued to say, you know what, I'm going to do better. And I kept that, that mantra going in my heart with every decision I made. Um, and I ended up meeting and finding my wonderful husband who we've now been married for um, going on 14 years. Um, and we have a wonderful daughter named Faith uh, who's 10 and she's the light of my life. Um, and now we're ended up living in a suburb of Los Angeles, California. Um, because I, again, rose up in my company making a good choice. And now, you know, my company moved us out here so I can rise into um, leadership. So that kind of brought me up to here. Once we got married, um, at first, my husband was very clear, like, you know, he had two children from his first marriage. He was not looking to have any more. And then I kind of swayed him. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we proceeded down the road and learned that we could not have a child. Um, and so we went through a first round of IVF. And um, with my daughter, Faith, they said that I had a 1% chance of conceiving for, through IVF. And in fact, when the doctor called to tell me I was pregnant, I didn't hear it. All I heard is, okay, I'm not pregnant. What do we need to do next? And the doctor is yelling at me, you're pregnant. No, no, I understand. But what do we need to do next? When can we do our next IVF cycle? And, and so she said, you're pregnant. That's all I'm going to say anymore. You got to listen. And so I called my husband home. I'm like, get home quick. It's an emergency. And so he rushed through the door and I, he said, what's, what's wrong? Are you okay? Are you okay? I said, the doctor keeps saying I'm pregnant and I don't know why she would say this. And I really don't know what I am. And he stopped me and he said, you're pregnant. We're pregnant. Um, so that was an amazing day shortly after I started pleading. And the, um, the ER doctor told me I needed to terminate the pregnancy. Mm. It wasn't viable because I was bleeding. Um, and in fact, when I refused, called in a psychiatrist to see if they could put me on a 72 hour hold because I refused. But 
I was not giving up on my child. Um, and so we continued the pregnancy and, you know, it was a very rough pregnancy, but we kept having the faith. My husband just said, you know, we just have to have faith. We just have to have faith. And now we have our faith. Hmm. Um, and so it was wonderful, but we also did after that, we really wanted to continue and expand our family even more. Um, and so we started on our next fertility journey, which we had another round of IVF um, and, and other things that followed. And we ended up having um, four more miscarriages, well, four miscarriages between then and now. So I had a total of six in my life. But again, I refused to give up the faith and the hope and we kept going back and we kept trying. And I, and I wanna say that for those that are struggling for, with fertility, keep fighting the good fight because it can happen. Miracles can happen, but you can't give up. You have to, you have to be strong. Infertility is not for the weak. If you can't be strong and be courage, you know, just keep, keep a positive mindset, then I encourage you to reach out to me or whatnot so I can help you in developing the strength and the mindset that it takes to do that. Um, because it truly is a beautiful thing, but it's, it's very, very hard. But it can happen. It happened with my daughter. Um, we still have one embryo left. Um, when I lost my daughter, Mary Grace in January, uh, I ended up fighting for my life on the operating table. Mm. Uh, and the doctors were not sure at all that they were going to be able to save me. Wow. Um, it was a four hour procedure, um, where they had to do some pretty weird things to keep me alive. I'll just put it at that. Um, and I woke up without a uterus um, and without a baby. And that was devastating. We still have one embryo left. And while I can't carry that embryo, we are going to keep the faith and we are looking for a surrogate. So my message here is we all have strength inside of us and we all know our limits and our boundaries. But what I'm gonna encourage you to do is listen to your heart, listen to your gut and acknowledge the strength that you bring to the table. So wow. that's kind of the message. And along that's, that's the three minute version of my, my book. <laughs> yeah. So just take some through the journeys because every step of the way I learned something about myself. And I grew. And the reason I had to start at the beginning when you asked me that question is because everything that I had gone through up to the point of when we started having our fertility treatments led me and gave me the strength that I needed to get through those. I had to pull on my past experiences to realize that I already had that in me. Sometimes that's what we need to do, yeah. you know? So, so that was my journey. Um, and you know, why I call it my journey to finding strength in the dark, because in each of those situations, I really did feel in the dark and losing my son, Tommy and my daughter, Mary Grace, that was the, that was the final moments that I was in the dark, but I'm back. Yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a very tragic, uh, tragic story. Annette, and that, uh, and so sorry to hear about your abusive relationship, the first one that you had. And uh, it's a very, uh, 
I mean, there are no words to describe it, but thanks for sharing that with us. Now, you said that you had faith. Was faith the child that you were requested not to carry forward with? Yes, faith is my daughter that okay. she's 10 years old now. And she was the one that they they wanted me to terminate mm. um, at six weeks pregnancy, uh, six weeks gestation. Mm-hmm. Um, they said that she was going to have a, here's the story that I really want everybody to hear and why I feel like it's fight the good fight and hold on to faith. Well, I would, like I said, I was told she, we would have a 1% chance and I got pregnant, but then they wanted me to terminate. I refused. The bleeding kept continuing and getting worse. I stayed on bed rest. I did everything that I needed to. Um, and at 12 weeks and one day, the bleeding stopped. Um, they, the doctors determined it was a subcreonic hemorrhage, which can happen in first trimester. And that once it healed up, it's basically like a bruise. Once it healed up, the bleeding stopped. But then um, in my pregnancy, I developed gestational diabetes. Hmm. Um, I tell my daughter today because, you know, we have to watch her sugar. She said, well, why? And I said, because you like too many cookies while you were inside mommy. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, so yeah, so we developed gestational diabetes and I had to go on medicine and be closely monitored at 33 weeks. The doctors did a scan. And they said, her heart is deformed. I don't think she's going to survive childbirth. Hmm. Um, and so they sent me to a neonatal cardiologist who said, I can't confirm or deny because your daughter is very stubborn and she won't get into the right position. And I said, well, I'm going to hold on to the fact that she's very stubborn and that means you're wrong. Hmm. Um, and so he said, but you're going to have to be induced and you're not going to be able to deliver the the baby until the NICU team is there and the NICU team will take her away right away to make sure she's okay. We aren't really sure that she will survive childbirth. We don't know. Um, so, you know, I think about a time right before they, they were doing the final scan before I was induced and the doctor put the ultrasound probe on my tummy and the first thing you saw was my daughter Faith with a crunched up nose, just looking at them like, I am so stubborn and giving them like holding up a little fist. And the doctor's like, okay, you got to fight her there. (laughs) So anyway, she was delivered and they did, they took her away right away to be examined. And um, the doctor said, I don't think she's sick. I think she's fine. Mm. She's beautiful. She just rolled over on my table. Wow just born. He said, she has an APGAR score of nine out of 10. You have a beautiful baby. I'm going to go find a baby that really needs me to take care of them. Um, she did end up having an echo scan and they determined that her heart was absolutely fine. And they also then realized that the problem was not with her heart, but the ultrasound machine. There was never a problem with her heart. Oh my goodness. So my daughter, you know, she was here, she was beautiful. She rolled over on the table at five minutes old. And that is a story that I have to say about keep fighting the good fight. If I had listened to doctors every step of the way, I don't know that Faith would be here, right? She wouldn't have been, right? If I had listened to the doc, the ER doctor telling me to um, terminate the pregnancy, she wouldn't be here. Um, if I didn't keep fighting for her, if I had let myself get down to the point of, oh, she's not going to survive childbirth. I'm just going to stop taking my vitamins. I'm going to stop taking care of myself she wouldn't be here. 
but I had to hold on to that faith and also hold on to the strength that I knew was inside me. And yeah. Her. yeah. I mean, this is amazing, uh, amazing, amazing story of strength. Uh, Annette, you're a, you're a live walking, talking uh, image of strength for people and for our audience who are going through this podcast and wondering and, and their jaws are dropping hearing to what you have gone through. Um, obviously, uh, you know, you decided to be intentional with your life and chose to, um, you know, uh, use your pain and convert that pain into a purpose so that you could maybe inspire and, and maybe help at least one person, if not more. So tell us a little bit about how did you find the strength to write this book, despite going through so much pain, not just physically, but mentally. I mean, I can't even imagine how you made your mind to come about in the right place to even start penning your thoughts on paper. How did that come about? Well, you know, there was, first of all, I had been keeping a journal. So I think that might've helped me um, get it done in four months, but we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll put that aside. Um, you know, you, before I get into it, I want to say you, you mentioned it just helping one person. And I want to say that that is actually my goal with this book. Hmm. If of all of the people that read this book, I'm able to help one woman find her strength to keep going, then my, my mission is complete. That's what this book is for. Um, I was in a grief support group for um, miscarriage and infant loss support. And um, in that I had been sharing some of the letters that I write to my daughter and my son um, in some of my journal entries about how I feel. And the uh, moderator of the group had also been writing a book. And so she talks to me offline and she said, why are you not sharing these stories with the world? Mm. And I said, nobody, you know, these are just mine. And she, you know, she said, well, Annette, you felt like you were, your life was you were searching for your purpose after you lose that. And she said, what if your purpose, the purpose of, of Tommy and Mary Grace was to give your life new purpose. And that is helping women that are going through infertility, loss, grief, abusive situations. She said, you have a message that needs to be told. And I, 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 I still wasn't really sure. And I said, just the, the thought of sitting down and writing all of that and she said, well, you know, there's always the option that you can try it. And if, and if it just becomes too painful, you just stop, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so as I was writing this book, I became more and more aware of how important my story is um, because it's not just a story of, you know, of losing my, my son and daughter. It's a story of healing myself. And that's something that I really felt became passionate of doing. I was doing okay with writing the book once I realized that until I got to the chapter where I speak about losing Tommy and Mary Grace. And that was hard. I feel like as I was typing that chapter, I was kind of on autopilot. Mm -hmm. Just, I, you know, I, my fingers were doing it. The words were somehow, you know, the computer knew what words to take out of my brain, but I was just not there. And when I finished that chapter, I felt an immense, a really, a, you know, 
intense source of healing, I should say. Um, and I felt like I could finally take a deep breath after everything that happened. And then I started to write about, um, you know, grief in a pandemic, because if you recall, um, you know, I, I lost Mary Grace in January and shortly after the world went into a pandemic mm -hmm. and all of a sudden I had to deal with my grief, but also deal with keeping my family safe and healthy and setting up a home where we could all be stuck indoors together, you know? Um, and so after writing that, I felt like, wow, that was doing that. I didn't, again, didn't give myself the courage for that. And so just seeing all that written out, it was just, it was even more healing. And that's how I was able to do it. It was an effort to help other women, but at the same time, heal myself. Um, and, and I say sometimes that the book was, became my baby. Mm. Um, and so instead of, you know, birthing a baby, I birthed a book and the book was my labor of love. Um, so, yeah, and, you know, I want to say, I want to read my dedication if you don't mind. Please. Um, so it's really sweet. My daughter wrote the foreword in the book. My husband wrote the introduction. So it's kind of a family book. But I said, I dedicate this book to all the women who feel they have lost their strength. To the women who feel in the dark, you are not alone. That's my message right there. Very nice. Uh, very powerful message indeed. And, uh, you know, we'll uh, quickly share later in this show as to where people can find your book and when they can find and buy the book um and uh, you know help you spread the spread that message so um when you're writing this book i mean give us an idea of how many chapters does this book have and uh, what are you talking about in this book obviously your own story but you know what is the message uh, of course around strength but what else do you have in this book so the book has 13 chapters um i wanted to make it a relatively quick read so that the message doesn't get lost by a lot of extra words mm -hmm. Um, and, um, so, and I also want to say, you know, one of the things with me is I think that laughter is the best medicine in the world. Laughter is my form of meditation. Um, and oftentimes when I feel like I'm really, really tense, I'll go to YouTube and I'll, you know, Google, you know, you can just laugh. I'm laughing hysterically videos. And like Laurel and Hardy come up and other things. And I do, and I laugh. And I laugh so hard that afterwards I just feel completely like in that moment, ready to go. And so I wrote my book with a lot of laughter. If you can't tell, that's also my personality. Um, and I'm okay. I want people to laugh while reading my book. Um, there's, there's parts of seriousness and I say, okay, this is where you're gonna need your tissue. But, but I also include humor because that's me. And I think that if people laugh while they read this, that they might find their meditation in the book too. Um, you know, some have asked me, what's the significance of the hot pink Mary Jane that's in the title? Yeah. And there's also a very um, sparkly pair of heels with six inches. Mm -hmm. And the significance there is that um, about two and a half years ago, it'll be three years this October, I had a total knee replacement. Um, 
And my knee was so bad that the doctor said it was just eroding in his hands. Um, and so afterwards we decided my husband after, well, and then I should say the day after I had a stroke. Um, and it, I had to go through speech therapy, cognitive therapy. I had to learn to walk again. I'm here. And, um, and this was in the midst of my fertility journey too. But my husband and I decided after that, that we needed to renew our wedding vows because we really had the second chance at life. Mm. And so I decided that I was really going to embrace that second chance of life. And the doctors had told me I would never wear high heels again. And, you know, for me, and maybe a lot of listeners can relate, you know, high heels, that's a pretty big deal. <laughs> so, so I went and I found the perfect pair of high heels, which you'll see on my book cover. And I got those things and I took them out of the box. I'm like, all right, you and I are going to be friends. These shoes, we're going to be friends. And I looked at them with so much like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this for weeks. And then finally I put them on. And so as I was walking down the aisle, I became a bundle of nerves. Oh my goodness. What if I trip and fall? I'm just feeling like I'm learning how to wear high heels again. They're six inches. You know, what am I going to do? And I rocked those shoes down the aisle. And I even was able to stand on one foot and get a foot pop and kiss after the vow renewal. <laughs> and so why are those shoes on my cover? Because those shoes weren't just an amazing accessory. Those shoes were a statement of, I pushed myself. Mm -hmm. I challenged myself. I forced myself to be strong, to say I can, and I did. So part of the ways that I look at strength is when somebody tells you no, and you find the strength to tell them yes. The doctors told me I would never wear high heels again. Not only did I wear high heels, they were six inch high heels. So I did it. So that's why they're on the cover. Um, and then the other important thing that I want people to see from this book is I feel like in life, we have a virtual dimmer switch installed inside of all of us. And sometimes that dimmer switch goes all the way off and we're in the dark. And that's okay. We want to feel our way through that. But the important thing is that we know how to reach for the dimmer switch and turn it back on. We don't have to be strong all the time. We just need to know how to find that dimmer switch and turn it back. And that to me is what strength is all about. And that's a great message about the dimmer switch. And I really like your analogy there because uh, like you said, you know, we all have that light in us that I call it potential, right? We all have unlimited potential. We just need to know how to, uh, you know, uh, leverage it to achieve what we want to. And you're right, we don't have to be strong all the time, uh, but uh, we need to find the strength when we need to. And and I think uh, you're a great example. I'm, I'm just thinking about it, uh, Annette, as you're talking. I mean, uh, you, you have gone through um, so much pain, physical, mental, uh, feeling of helplessness, right? Anybody could say, why is this happening to me? What did I do wrong? why me? But you did not choose to see it that way. Say, so, okay, not now, maybe the next step. And you kept on moving forward because like you said, you choose to do so. Yeah. Um, and, and I think unless someone is intentional with their lives, with their goals, with their purpose, it's very difficult for people to achieve anything and, uh, in, in life. And I think you have achieved so much. You're not only a you know, high profile executive in your company or writing a book, sharing your story, of pain, uh, how that has become your purpose. Um, and it, it's, it's incredible. I mean, uh, in addition to writing the book, uh, I'm sure, uh, you know, you 
are you open for public uh, speaking assignments coaching talk a little bit about that so that the people know how to reach out to you if they can Yes, absolutely. I'm I'm actually um, taking the necessary training courses so that I could become a strength coach officially. Um, I would love to spread this message, and would that be able to speak in front of um, a public audience, speak at small group events, um, you know, any opportunity that I can, more so than promoting myself, it's it's in promoting this message of strength. And I really want to help, you know, yes, my focus is a lot on women, but, you know, men need to find that strength too. Mm -hmm. um, and in the case of the fertility, men need to be able to have that strength to support their partner with that strength. Um, so it's not just a message that, that speaks to one, to one side. It's a message for everybody that we need to be strong. And I would love to get involved in doing some um, some of those speaking engagements. I'm putting together a masterclass with another friend who has a message of resilience. Um, and so we are going to together put that series together and bring in um, a couple of other friends that, you know, one that's going to speak on empowerment. And we are going to share our message um, as far with as far as a reach as possible. Um, and so, so yeah, and, and, you know, you're right. And I get that question all the time, you know, and that with everything that you've gone through, how are you just not, you know, huddled up in a ball in the corner of your room, you know, saying, I'm done, I'm done. I can't. And I used to, when I got that in the beginning, oh, I don't know. I just, you know, I just read this book you know, and it made me all better. And, and then it's like, finally, somebody asked me that right before I started this book. And I said, I just did. There wasn't a thing that made it happen. There wasn't a, you know, magic medicine that made it happen. It was all within inside me. It was me choosing to say, I'm going to be strong. I am going to choose to do this. It was, it was, I did it. I chose to do it. I will do it. And, you know, in the beginning, I will say after losing Mary Grace, I felt like to all, it felt like at first, like, oh my gosh, all that's gone. But then I went back to the basics and I gave myself those daily affirmations. And it started as today I am choosing to be strong. Today I'm choosing to breathe. Today I'm choosing to choose joy. And it would just made it for one day. Then the next day, Yesterday, I was able to be strong. Yesterday, I was able to breathe. Yesterday, I was able to choose joy. Today, I'm going to do that again. And just on and on and on until I was able to believe it. I don't believe in fake it till you make it. I believe it and feel your way through it till you make it. And that's what I did. Yeah. And I think that's such a powerful ritual to have. Uh, you know, affirmation, self-affirmation. I always talk about Dr. Shad Helmstetter. Uh, you know, he's a great author who wrote the book, What to Say When You Talk to Yourself, about 30 years ago. His book is published in more than 20, 2,200 countries, I believe, in more than 25 languages. Um, you know, I interviewed him uh, earlier in October. And, uh, you know, I, I really, really believe very strongly in affirmations. And I think you're right. You, I, I, think, I think you may not realize this about yourself, Annette, but I think you, you, you choose to live a life of intention. Right. Uh, whether you uh, know it or not, it's 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 a it's such a such a strong habit of yours that you're doing it in autopilot mode, which is where your subconscious takes over. Yeah. 
and and that is what you choose to do and unless we are all intentional i think it becomes very difficult we all live a life of mediocrity you know go through going through a five day two day five day two day cycle without realizing where did the last 10 years go Right. and i think this pandemic has been one of the worst things that could have happened to people but this to put a silver lining to this dark cloud of the pandemic is people have gotten an opportunity to sit back take a step back and look at their lives why were they running so hard you know why were they running in all these different directions uh, with their children with their job with their families whatever the case may be um and i think uh, you know when people get to read your book i think they will see that uh, that how you can live a life of and being intentional about it and 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 choosing to do what what you are ex- exhibiting right now in this podcast that you know you chose to give yourself an affirmation you chose to be positive i i can't even imagine my friend i, I think she went through three miscarriages Yeah. and 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 then they finally adopted a, a daughter from guatemala but you know for you to go through six of them an abusive relationship coming out and talking so boldly bravely sharing your story with the world being vulnerable uh is tremendous i mean congratulations to you hats off to you and your family your husband who's a great supporter uh to you know to for letting you getting that freedom to share uh the story of yours which is a uh, which is incredible i'm i'm so glad that you chose to do it i'm so glad you listened to that uh you know that uh, grief support moderator who 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 stepped out and mentored you a little bit coached you pushed you a little bit and here we are uh your book uh, once again finding strength in the dark a story of hope love faith and hot pink mary janes will be available when for people to buy january 13th and i want to share the significance of that date My son um passed on January 10th and my daughter on January 15th a year and 5 days apart. The 13th is the the midpoint of both dates. And so there's actually a very so I'm having this book come out on the 13th to honor the their lives. Um and it's my first book with 13 chapters so January 13th. Yeah. very nice i think people will remember that because there's a good logic behind it uh, yeah. that's good to know now while your book is coming out and i'm uh, assuming it will be available on amazon in january it will be available on amazon for purchase and download on january 13th yes. fantastic now in the meantime uh, if people want to reach out to you anet what is the best way for them do you have a website that they can find you at sure so you can reach me at information at i got faith baby.com which is actually the name of my company i got faith baby which my faith um and so information at i got faith baby you can also find me at www.findingstrengthinthedark.com so and i'm i'm happy to support and engage and um i appreciate you letting me share this message because it's just a really important message and um and it's one that needs to be told. Yeah, I completely uh, agree with you. Um you know this story needs to be shared with as many women as many men. I mean I, I can't even imagine the 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 situation that husbands go through when their wives go through this terrible situation because they're not experiencing it. They can never say I know what you're going through or feeling physically mentally but they still have to be there to uh support them. And I just realized this when you're talking about it and I didn't even think about my friend my uh the husband of my friend uh you know how what he might have gone through yeah. 
um, you know, we so f- obviously focus on women when they go through this obvious for obvious reasons. Uh, but it's a very good point that you made made me think and realize. So now I'm going to ask you a question, Annette. I ask all my interviewee, uh, all my guests. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot. I mean, this entire interview is unscripted. It's it's completely, uh, you know, uh, happening right now. Um, so, you know, you have gone through a lot. You, you've gone through a lot of pain. You, you've found your purpose. You've found your strength. Uh, and you're a great living example of it. But if you were 25 year, years old again, Annette, what would the three pieces of advice you would give yourself? Don't live in a Barbie girl world. Live in your world. Um, and the second would be choose your joy and your focus and set your intention and work towards it, but don't set a timeline. Don't try to drive the outcome. Set your intention, live your life, feel your way through it and let the results come to you. And whatever happens, take a breath and deal with it. One step. So so that's, that's it. And I, and I speak those words because I did the exact opposite, right? Mm -hmm. I was going to be married by this point in time. I was going to have kids by this point in time. You know, I was going to have the house here and whatever. And I set that timeline. I didn't just say, here's, you know, my, my dream is this. And the other thing, as I will say, is I always told myself, I need this. I need this. All I need is the basic things for survival, right? What I chose is I wanted those other things. And when I also flipped my, my thinking from, I don't need a man. I don't need a fancy house. I don't need the big fancy car. I want somebody to share my life with. And I want to have a roof over our heads. And I want a car that's going to take me from A to B without crashing at A minus. So when I did those things, things began to open up for me because I didn't drive the outcome. I wasn't focusing towards finding that man. I was letting that happen to come naturally. I wasn't focusing on, you know, putting all my money into a house that we couldn't afford, right? So please, I would also encourage any 25s or 20 somethings or even at, you know, at any age that is listening, all you need is the basic skills and things for survival. We want to have the other things in our life set those intentions, speak your dream, cover your heart, and just feel your way through life. Amazing. That's a great message uh, to everybody. Uh, you know, and I think you make a great point. I think being intentional is such a, such an important thing. I think everything comes about by being intentional. Um, and I, I know it so, sounds so basic, right? But there are so many people who just don't know why they are doing what they are doing. They're doing it but they just don't know why they're making a lot of money, but not sure if they have enough time to sit back and enjoy it. Um, and, and I think that is, that is so important. Uh, living a life of intention is such a, such a great, great thing. Um, Annette, it was a pleasure having you once again, uh, your book, finding uh, strength in the dark, and they can find you finding uh, strength in the dark.com, right? Um, okay. Same website, uh, the name of your book. And uh, I believe, um, you know, people will love your book. I'm, I'm staring at the cover of your book on my big screen here. Uh, it's a hot pink uh, design art cover. Uh, I, I plan to share that art cover in the, in, when we launch this podcast uh, later in a couple of weeks. 
but thank you so much for being part of this journey sharing you. your story being vulnerable with us we really appreciate it and i look forward to talking to you again you know maybe get some feedback about what you are getting uh, feedback about your book and how many people women you have inspired oh i would love that i would love to come back and um and share on your platform and i appreciate your op- the opportunity to give in to share my message um very grateful for this platform thank you absolutely and i hope the audience you know you felt some inspiration you found some strength in annette's message today if if she can go through it why can't all of us go through it right we we don't have to go through the same pain to find that strength we can model uh, finding our strength based on what annette has done and and find that find that courage find that intentionality in our lives and if you found any value in this podcast share this with just one person you believe will benefit from listening to this uh, i hope uh, you you will find the courage to do so keep listening remember you have unlimited potential own it until next time take care